Hi again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. I'm Dave Mitchell. Glad to have you along tonight on UltimateSportsTalk.com as we sit back and talk about the Cleveland Indians and the Cincinnati Reds. And not a thing has happened since we got together last Monday night. Nothing to talk about as far as the Cincinnati Reds are concerned. Oh, wait a minute. There is that little thing that I guess they did last Wednesday, and that is fire the manager. Brian Price is out as manager of the Cincinnati Reds. And to discuss all of this, we have got to go down south and talk to our resident Reds expert, Mark Donahue, about what has happened with the Reds. You know, Mark, before we get into that, I want to talk, bring this up. You know, when we started this show eight years ago, Eric Wedge and Dusty Baker were the managers of the Indians and the Reds, respectively. Now, the Indians got rid of Eric Wedge and brought in Manny Acta, which I was just in love with that move. And the Reds stuck with Dusty Baker. Then the Indians got rid of Manny Acta, brought in Terry Francona. The Reds, I think, panicked. I think you would agree with that after the 2013 season and got rid of Dusty, brought in Brian Price. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, in the eight years that we've done this show, Mark, we have not had a lot of managerial changes out of these two ball clubs. Well, um, if you look to managers as having a impact on a team, uh, I'm not a big proponent of that. I, I think the, the general manager has more to do with the team winning on the field than the manager. But having said that, the Indians made a good move, if you believe that, <laughs> that the manager does have an impact, because the Indians since that time have gone to the moon. The Reds, since that time, have gone somewhere else. And I'll get into the details of that later on. But uh, the point is the Reds are in a position now that no team in the history, the 137-year history of the Reds, has ever been in. <laughs> this is the worst team up to this point in the history of the Cincinnati Reds. And, Dave, we're moving into rarefied air here. This could be, and I'll have some numbers to back me up here in a few minutes, uh, this could be one of the worst teams in baseball history ever. It has a chance, Dave. We have a chance to pull it off. We can be the worst ever if the Reds continue on their current pace. Well, the bright spot is, let's bring up two. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. Wait, wait. Wait a minute, Dave. There is no bright spot. <laughs> no, no, wait. Let's Let's establish that early on. There is no bright spot in this. <laughs> There's a bright spot because I'm going to bring up two teams who are absolutely atrocious. The 72 Phillies, what they do, win 59 games? That was it? And That's it right. Okay, and eight years later, they won a World Series. Now... Eight years, Dave. Eight years. <laughs> eight years. That's my point. And now, the, <laughs> the other one I was going to bring up was the 1960 Mets. And nine years later, they won a world championship. <laughs> well, actually, I think you meant the 62 Mets since the 60 Mets didn't exist. 62 Mets. But, yeah, and, and they lost uh, 140 games, if I recall. Uh, no, no, 120 games. Uh, they were 40 and 120. And just to put this in perspective, you said things aren't that bad or things could get better or it's not as bleak as I might think. On the bright side. <laughs> You're looking at the bright side. Okay. Let's look at the 1962 Mets since you brought it up. Oh. Okay. The Mets in their first uh, 21 games, uh, they averaged 4.14 runs per game. Okay. Not bad. The Red, yeah. The, the Reds at the, during the same time are averaging 2.61. <laughs> The Mets allowed 134 runs. The Reds have only given up 116. But the, the, the differential is the Mets were minus 48. The Reds are minus 61. Dave, this is three weeks into the season. The Mets did not reach 15 games under 500 until May 27th. The Reds reached it on April 22nd. Now, Mark, remember the season started... What was it, the last week in April back then? Pretty no, close. It, it's, uh, no, it started actually uh, about April 7th, April 8th that year. So it was about about an eight-day difference. 
But here's here's even a better statistics. The nineteen eighty eight Baltimore Orioles. They you remember this team? They lost their first twenty one games. Yeah. Well, they finished after fifty games. They were eleven and thirty nine. The Reds are current, and that was a twenty two percent winning percentage. The Reds are currently three and eighteen. That's a fourteen percent winning percentage. <laughs> Dave, there is no bright spot here. If if the Reds continue their their current pace, they're going to win twenty three games for the year. That's the pace they're on. All right, so let me let me rapid fire you with questions here. First Go of ahead. all, Jim Riggleman is now the interim manager. Does he have any shot at all of staying the permanent manager? Zero. Okay. He was previously the Reds' bench coach. He was named the interim skipper. Now, pitching coach Mac Jenkins was dismissed from the team also on Thursday, and they brought up Danny Darwin. Now, I'm going to throw out an interesting stat here. You you like to throw out stats. I'm going to throw out an interesting stat to you about the the Reds pitching staff. Okay? Here we go. Their team ERA as of today is 5.55. But you take out Quackenbush, Gallardo, and Rainey, and this team ERA drops under four. Yep, yeah, that's that's... Understandable. The problem is when you're only scoring two and a half runs a game, you, you know you're not going to win any games, and that's what's happened. They've had, they've had. You're right, but that brings up had, my point. Yeah, okay, let me had, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. They've had bad pitching, but not horrible pitching. They've, they've had pitching good enough to win another three, four, five games, which is still bad. But the, the, the offense. Uh, have you ever seen a team? This team hit, what, 226 home runs last year? I have never seen a team fall off the cliff like this one has. Joey Votto. Like Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge? Yeah, that, that, that's, but we've talked about this before. Yeah, we have. What happens in Major League Baseball? They study, study, study during the offseason. That's right. And the pitchers have made a change. Joey Votto does not have a home run. He only has one extra base hit, I think, or maybe two, uh, in, in the whole year so far. It's just th- over three weeks. And it, no one is hitting the ball. Uh, Scooter Jeanette has no home runs. Uh, Duvall's hitting 165 or 170. And, Mark, you're making my point. That's the reason I brought this up. You're making my point. They fire the pitching coach? Yeah. It's the hitting coach that's having a problem. It's not, that's right. It's not the pitching coach. But yet this is the, you know, I'm gonna, here I go, here I go, I'm going off on an Indians tangent on the Reds right now. This front office of Castellini and, uh, Dick Williams, I, I don't know if they have any clue what's going out on the, going on out on the field, Mark. I really don't because when you look at this team, yeah, the hitting's the problem. I get that. The pitching hasn't been the problem. But then you fire the pitching coach and Matt, Matt Jenkins and bring in somebody from double A? Danny Darwin, because because Maley is pitching pretty well. Come on, Mark, this doesn't add up. Well, there's a lot of things that don't add up, and and I wrote a little article that I'm going to read next week when we're on the air, because I want to give the Reds another another week. I'm going to give them a full month into the season. But what this thing is, what this team has done uh, over the last, and I my position is. This ironically started, and you and I were on the air, I believe, at the time in 2010, when they won the division, and you and I talked about it. I don't know if we were on the air or not, we were just talking among ourselves, but we said the Reds have to have another hitter going into the, the playoffs against the Phillies. And, and we always talked, yeah, you're right, and we always brought up Nelson Cruz. He's exactly right. They needed somebody to play left field, give Joey Vado some protection, and they didn't do it. So they were on the cheap. They had they had a pretty decent team in 2010. That's the year Jay Bruce hit the home run, and I was down there. I actually saw that game. And they had a chance, but they didn't go for it. They had and Scott Rowland at third base that year that had a really good year. Yeah, that, that's right. Yeah, I mean, they, they were a team that could be reckoned with in the playoffs, and, and probably in one of those three years, Mark, 10, 11, 12, should have – at least won the National League, if not the World Series. Well, what happened in the World Series that year? Or in the 
in 2010, they, they had a two-game-to-none lead, if I recall, if this is the year, and they ended yeah. up losing three straight to the Giants. So that was 2012. In 2010, okay. they played the Phillies, and they lost three straight. Uh, Holiday pitched a no-hitter. They were shut out twice. They were outscored 13-4 to in the playoffs, and they went home with their tail between their legs. That's right. I, yeah, now I remember what you're saying. Okay. Now, a normal team, you mentioned Castellini and, and et al., a normal team or a front office would have said, hey, we just got our butts kicked. Uh, we need to go out and get a, a power hitter in, in left field. And what they do? They didn't. They got Ludwig. Uh, and put, and the Reds did not win the division or make the playoffs in 11. They had a great pitching staff in 12. Same thing. They didn't go get that hitter. And how many times, Mark, did we discuss that there were rumors coming out of Cincinnati that they were going to chain, they were going to trade Araldus Chapman to Miami for Giancarlo Stanton. Oh, many times. Yeah, we, we had that discussion, and that those were those were rumors. Yeah, and they didn't they didn't pull the trigger. So they began playing on the cheap, starting in 2010 when they had a window of opportunity to win, and they didn't they didn't do it in 11. They should have done it in, in 12. They should have had a great team in 12, and then 13 they got the wild card spot and were beat in a one-game playoff. And then the carnage began. Then they began unloading everybody. Frazier, Chapman, Cueto. And those are business decisions to do that. When you don't sign those guys or you make horrible trades. And the one I think that has hurt the Reds the most, you remember when they traded Johnny Cueto? Yes. You remember who they got? No, uh, except for, well, they got Cody Reed, Finnegan, and another guy. Yeah, John Lamb. Well, collectively, those guys had a record with the Reds of 15 and 32 <laughs> with a collective ERA of almost six and a half. And they're still trying to make Reed a reliever and Finnegan a starter. At the same time, Johnny Cueto is 32 and 20 with an ERA of 3.18. He actually leads Major League Baseball now with a 0.35 ERA. They made a decision to trade him, and they traded um, Chapman for guys named Cotham, Davis, Jaglio, and Rinda. <laughs> those, today, those two trades have, I mean, those guys were great pitchers. Chapman. And and Cueto are great major league pitchers. They're still in, in the big leagues, and you know the Reds gave them away. They gave them away for nothing. And you combine that with horrific draft choices. Robert Stevenson. You can go down the list. Somebody has just made baseball mistakes. And you look at the Indians. The Indians have made good baseball decisions and the Reds haven't but well, we, also the Reds are not willing to invest and in the Indians are big difference and that might be the only time we're going to talk about the Indians tonight because I'm going to be honest with you folks this show is going to be almost completely entirely about the Reds tonight and what it is that they've done Mark another rapid fire question to you why now why bother why bother what? Why bother firing Brian Price now? Uh, other oh, other yeah, than to I, make I, you make you look like a prognosticator, because you said you doubted <laughs> if he would make it through April. You were absolutely correct, but why now? Why bother? Well, that's that's a good point, and it, it certainly is a deflection of who is truly responsible for this, and that's the front office. Uh, the Reds make these decisions. I don't know how many new restaurants they've put into Great American Ballpark in the last four or five years. I can remember off the top of my head four or five new ones. And it always comes out with the explanation that they're improving the fan experience. That's what they say. Now, tell me, Dave, what is going to draw more fans to GABP? Johnny Cueto and Aravis Chapman? Or a new place to get a rib sandwich. A, a, a winning ball club. Period. That's right. It's a winning ball club. And I'll tell and you why. I'll tell you. I'll give you. A, I'll give you a great example, Mark. The Cleveland Indians 
back when they played in the old mausoleum, had by, and, and this is arguably, the, the, this is an arguable statement, but they had the best mustard for your hot dog of all time at any ballpark. It was always voted the number one mustard at any ballpark for years. They still only brought in three or 4,000 people to watch a terrible ball club. So, yes, it's a winning ball club that will bring people in. You can have five or six fewer restaurants. By the way, at Great American Ballpark, honestly, God, there must, there must be 50 restaurants down there to eat. Yeah, yeah. It's plus amazing. outside the stadium, Mark. That's right. On the bench, you're absolutely right. There must be another 100 out there. Yeah. And, and they they forget why people come down, and you wonder why the attendance on this team has gone down for the last, since 19, 2012. I think attendance has gone down every year. It'll go down this year. I mean, who, who will go down and watch that team? Oh, I will because the Indians are playing them on my birthday. <laughs> the Indians well, are in town. The Indians. You, you know, see the Indians. But, but the thing about it is, Mark, okay, I know other Major League Baseball teams are doing this, and you, you, you and I discussed this last week when we talked about Price being fired. The Reds have got this this neat little thing going now. It's almost like have you ever heard of Movie Pass, where yeah. you, you can pay eight ninety five and you can go to a, you can go to a month eight ninety five. You can go in and you can watch the movies as often as you want. Doesn't matter as often as you want. You can go ten times. You can go twenty times. You can go one time. Eight ninety five for the whole month. The Indi- the the Reds are doing the same thing now through Major League Baseball at thirty dollars a month. You can get now. Granted, the ticket is up in the right field bleachers someplace, but you can get a seat and you can watch every home game at Great American Ballpark for $30 a month. Not a not a bad deal. No, it's not a bad deal, and I just wonder, even with a great deal like that, how many people are going to take them up to see a team? I mean, if the Reds continue this pace, there's going to be a certain curiosity about this team that they are so horrendously bad that people may go down. It's like the Mets. <laughs> when the Mets lost 120 games, well, the Reds are going to have to improve their winning percentage. In fact, almost double it to even get to 40 games won this year. Now, I'm not saying you're going to lose 120 games, but you know, you ask yourself the other question. Seeing them play. Now, you've been around baseball for a long time. You've seen this team play 21 games probably on TV. Can the Reds? Would the Reds lose 120 games this year? They shouldn't. Maybe. They shouldn't, but are, are they capable of winning 40? That's the question. I, I don't see, with this team, the way they're, they're currently constructed, the way these hitters are going up there defensively, and with a weak pitching staff, can they win 40? Could they win 50? I, I don't know. They're, they're not gonna, they're not gonna be a 500 team. No, there's no way in the world they will. So it's likely you're, they're going to they're going to be thirty to thirty five games at best, maybe forty games behind whoever wins the Central Division. Mark, that, that is called a collapse, David. That's not, and there is no hope. That's the problem. And and that's why my point is, they need to just blow the whole thing up and get as much young talent as they can get for the talent that they have already on this ball club, and that means. Getting rid of Joey Votto, getting rid of Adam Duvall, getting rid of Homer Bailey, and that would be where I would start. Those three ball players, hang them out on Major League Baseball and say, here, what will you give me for these three ball players? Now, Votto is going to be the toughest one to go because of that salary. Homer Bailey, I, I think somebody will pay the price because let's be honest, Mark, he has not pitched that badly. No, he hasn't, and I'll make another prediction. I think the Yankees are going to pick him up. It wouldn't shock me. Because by, by July, uh, you know, his ERA is not bad. His whip isn't bad. He, he's throwing the ball hard. He was throwing 97, 98 the other day. He, he appears healthy. And if he can show that health between now and the trade deadline, I think the Yankees will pick him up because – He's only got then what another year and a half on his contract. That's that's not bad. I'll tell you another two teams that should that should go after him too, Mark, are Arizona and Colorado. Yeah, but I doubt he'll go to Colorado. He probably won't go to Colorado, and I think he's got a trade 
clause in his contract. Does he? Okay. You're right. I, I, I agree with what you just said. I, I think the Reds should trade those three, and I'm a huge fan of Joey Votto, but he's got to be eaten up inside. It's a very competitive guy. And even if you just get a team to you know give you salary relief on, on him, uh, it, it, the Reds can then go out and do something with you know twenty million dollars a year, twenty five million a year for the next five or six years. That's you're right, and and those three guys could help. But I think even more disturbing, Dave, when you said there's a bright spot, there's not. Uh, the thing that bothers me is the over hyping of some of these players. I've seen Nick Senzel play now for two years. Dave, he, he's a he's a usable ball player. He's going to be a, a good second baseman. Uh, he might be a good third baseman. I don't see great. I, I, honest to God, I don't. He's hitting 241 this year. He's got one home run, one RBI, and he leads the team in strikeouts with 13. He's in AAA. Is this the, is this the kind of talent that they're building around? It, I, I think he'll make it to the big leagues, but I don't think he is. I don't think he has nearly the skill sets that Zach Cozart had at shortstop. If he if he is a dud, Mark, that sets this Reds organization back at least two years. Oh, more than that, and, and the other guy that the Reds have you and I have been talking about this for six years. Is Robert Stevenson. I mean, yeah. he's he, he's just not a major league player. I mean, he, he might make the team in the bullpen, but don't forget, this was going to be our number one starter. Just like Homer Bailey was going to be number one starter. And Homer Bailey is a 500 pitcher. And, and Jesse Winker, remember, he was going to be our next left fielder forever. And he... He's a solid little hitter. I mean, he'll probably hit 260, 270, 280. You don't win championships with those players performing at the level they're performing at. No, and I, so, I, I agree totally with you on that. But it, what they've got to do, Mark, is they have – and the reason they've got to blow this up, they, they almost need to take the Indians' blueprint from back in the late 80s and early 90s. Just blow the whole thing up and sell the fans on we're going to play these young and up-and-coming players and we're going to take our lumps for two or three years. But by gosh, once these guys learn how to play the game at the major league level, then you're going to see that we have got a team that is championship caliber. And they've got to sell it that way, Mark. They can't go out and, like you said, overhype all these ball players and they've got to use it as a team. They've got to say, hey, this is what we're going to do. Bear with us. Come out, see these kids play and, and do it that way. Yeah, you know, that's an interesting take on this because everybody is so cognizant of uh, protecting these young players and all that stuff. But what would happen? The Reds are going to get the number one draft choice this year, without question. <laughs> They're going to get the number one draft choice. Last year, they got Hunter Green. The year before, they got Nick Sinzel. The year before that, I forgot who they got. But it's nobody that's, that's you know, done anything or we know their name. So what would have happened or what would happen if they bring up Hunter Green this year or next year? Signing to a... a like a 10-year contract at, at, at a low price, roll your dice with the kid. You know, It's what the Indians I, did. I wonder how many people would come to, to watch Hunter Green pitch in the big leagues this year. A ton. A ton. A They'd ton. come to see Senzel. They would, That's right. If you, if you build it, they will come. You can protect yourself. Yes, there is a, a dice roll. I forget who it was. A team the Reds have played this year signed a guy to a 10-year deal, and he never appeared in the big leagues yet. He signed, signed like a 10-year deal, and I forget who it was. But it's a good young player that they have faith in. I think it's a Cardinal uh, guy they did. But at any rate, I would go down to watch Hunter Green pitch in the big leagues at 18 years old. That's like Gary Nolan. Remember when he came up when yeah. he was 18? Yeah. Uh, I, I would do that. Mark, here's... Here's a byproduct of what happened with the Indians when they did this. And not everybody talks about this, 
but it's something that happened. And I'm not even sure the Indians thought that this was going to happen. They brought up all these young kids, Bayerga, Sandy Alomar Jr., Albert Bell. They got Omar Vizquel to glue the infield together, Manny Ramirez, Jim Tomey. They brought these kids up in 91-92. In 93, they started coming together. And in 94, if you recall, before the strike hit, they actually had a one-game lead in the Central Division over the White Sox before the season just was obliterated by the strike. But what happened was these kids coming up and playing together for three years and taking their lumps together and their successes together built themselves and molded themselves into a team. And that was a byproduct of what the Indians front office did. These kids went through the high points and the low points together and the front office stuck with them and the team stuck with them. Whenever that happened, it, they all stuck together and that's what happens. And, and that's why I'm saying I was, I, I'm a little confused here as to why they didn't bring up Nick Senzel when Suarez got hurt. I'm a little confused as to why, you know, and I, you and I have discussed this about the, the extra year of arbitration and everything. I get all that, but you know, as of May 1st, that, that doesn't apply. Well, I think the reason they didn't bring up Senzel is last week he was hitting 228. Uh, and he had no home runs and, you know, hadn't driven in any runs. That's probably why they didn't bring him up. So that, that is understandable in that regard. You want the guy to earn it. You want him to have confidence when he comes up. Those things, but, Assuming he's as good as everybody says he's going to be, I don't see it yet. I think he's a serviceable hitter. He's not going to hit you 25 or 30 home runs. Uh, he'll probably be a second baseman. Uh, he's okay at second base. He's see, I think that's where they're making a mistake. Where do you think they're out of playing? Third base. What do you do with Suarez, or you just sign to a seven-year deal? Well, I, deal? I, I trade Votto and move him to first. Uh, awfully short for first baseman, but well, it, it it might be, but then again, so is Yonder Alonso. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I, was Steve Steve Bradley was short. Yeah, yeah. Good point. You know, I didn't even think of him, but yeah, you're right. I, you know, and, and go out and get yourself a shortstop. Find yourself a shortstop. Yeah. Hey, they had a shortstop. They did. They traded. Him. But they traded a guy, a, a shortstop, a very very good underrated shortstop. He was very dependable, hit you 25 home runs, and they trade him, or they let him go to free agency. Yeah. Uh, you could have picked, you know, you could have picked some guys as your, as your up the middle strength. And again, I believe that, that Billy Hamilton is good somewhere else. He's not what the Reds need. Yeah. And yet he hasn't performed offensively in four years. You're so, right. Yeah. He'll, he'll give you great defense, you know, once every, you know, three or four nights, he'll make a great catch. But if the team is going to build around offense and, 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 and overall play, you can't have a specialist like Billy Hamilton, who has an on-base percentage lifetime of 288, leading off. It, it's, it's insane to have that. And the Reds keep putting him out there. But he, he could be a great player. I mean, I could see him on the Yankees. I can see him... Uh, with the Dodgers, you know, as a seventh inning replacement, Stuya base, he, he can steal 50 bases off the bench. He could. But, but not for the Reds. It, does, it doesn't help the Reds. They could bring up that uh, Taylor Trammell, uh, who is supposed to be the next, you know, he's right after Senzel. I think he was drafted after Senzel. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's such a dearth of talent because of bad trades and drafts, they don't have people at AAA. It, it, it amazes me. I look at the Indians. I mean, they bring up somebody I've never heard of. <laughs> the guy performs for them. It happened last year. It happened this year. They reach down and say, oh, yeah, come on in and play. And the guy, you know, hit 318 or something and hit 12 home runs. Uh, they have backup catchers. They have so much depth in the double-A AA and triple-A that they can help the big league club. Here, that is not the case for the Reds. Do they have the scouting department, Mark, that can assess the talent 
and bring the and, and and do what we were talking about that the Indians did. Bring these kids up and live with them. Sign them to a seven-year contract at two and a half million dollars a year. Why not? What what is that? Seven years at two and a half million dollars. That's eighteen million. Eighteen million per player. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it get... hopefully, uh, you know, Williams will be an improvement over Jockety. Jockety, he overstayed his welcome by about five years, and the Reds are still suffering from the decisions that Jockety made. Uh, I think the only good deal he that he made that I can recall was Suarez for Alfredo Simon to Detroit a few years ago. Mm-hmm. I think that was a good trade. But uh, I can't think of another one. Uh, I, I never thought Duvall was was going to be a long-term solution in left field. Uh, he, he was a journeyman player, and, and, you know, two years ago when he had 35 or 36 home runs, and last year he did the same thing. But I'm telling you, if you look back at his – he only hit 239 last year. If you look at his at-bats last year, Dave, the guy should have had 150 RBIs. He was up all the time with – because Vada was on base all the time, and so was Cozart. And he, he did not drive in runs as he should have. He drove in 99, but he, honest to God, he should have had 140 or 150. All right, let, let's talk about the elephant in the room, which is who is going to manage this ball club? I keep hearing this. I've heard this for the last week. Who's going to want to manage this ball club? Well, I'll tell you one thing. It, there are a ton of people out there that want a manager's spot in Major League Baseball. So just throw that argument away right now. But the, 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 the biggest name right now is Barry Larkin, and I think that would be a major mistake. I agree with you, and I, I, I think a lot of guys, this is the perfect time to come in and manage the Reds because the expectations are so low. I, I just wonder if Joe Girardi... No. It might be approached for that job. I, I'll he tell you why. You know who he reminds me of, Mark? Joe Girardi? He reminds me of Sparky Anderson when Sparky got fired by the Reds. He was not going to take... I remember an interview that Sparky Anderson did up in Cleveland with Pete Franklin, the old w 3WE sports talk announcer uh, up in Cleveland. And this is when this was about two weeks, literally about two weeks before Sparky took the Detroit job. And... Pete Franklin asked him, he said, would you ever manage the Indians? And he just kind of giggled, and he says, no, I don't think so. And and then Jim Campbell and the Tigers came a-calling. Sparky was waiting for the right opportunity to get back into baseball. He was not going to manage a team that was a bunch of ho-hum dumb-drubs like the Indians were back in the middle 80s. He took over a team that had some promise and some talent. I think I see the same thing out of Girardi. Well, I think if you believe in the Reds' future, uh, this is a good time to come in because you can only go up. Uh, it would be a, a time for Girardi or uh, you know, another seasoned guy to come in. But I, I think the Reds are going to go young this time. They've got a young uh, group of guys there. Uh, they need somebody who can relate to them. And I'm thinking about guys who may have retired from baseball in the last five or six years that want to you know, have some managerial experience. Barry Larkin is a legend in Cincinnati, and if he comes in and and he messes this up, he's tarnished his image for the rest of his life. And I, I don't think the Reds are going to hire him. And I, I would I agree with you. I don't think he has experience to do it. I, I agree. I I think that would just be a terrible hire. I I see two guys. I'm going to throw two names out at you. You can talk about them if you want, or you can throw out your names that you you're thinking. But I told you this the other day. John Farrell, who's already in the Reds organization, came in during the offseason as a, a special pitching roving instructor for the minor leagues. He's, he's an ex-manager with the Red Sox. He's an ex-manager with the Blue Jays. He's won a World Series title. He's still young enough where he manages 10 years, and he, he, he can stick with the job. The other guy, and I don't know how he hasn't gotten a job already, but Sandy Alomar Jr., the Indians former catcher and first base coach, uh, I think he's the type of guy that could walk into that, demand respect, manage young players. He's he's seen it happen. He's played through it. He's worked through it. He's coached through it. I think those are two names, Mark, that you could put right up right at the top of the Reds' uh, wish list, if you want, 
and uh, to take over this managerial post. Who do you have in mind? Well, I, I always thought Farrell would be the guy. They, they brought him in for a reason. And he's won a World Series, as you said, with Boston. Uh, I, I think the players would relate to him. You know, his his son pitched for the Reds last year. Yeah, he did. <clears throat> so he might have some kind of connection there. But, yeah, I think he's there for that purpose. And uh, my bet, and I don't know Farrell well enough from a personality perspective, what he's like in the clubhouse and how the players relate to him and all that stuff, but... Uh, just on his record alone and name recognition, you want a guy who's won, and he has won. And I, that he would be my my bet for the choice. They, there's always some people that you don't think of. I, I don't see anybody in the minors that the Reds would would risk that that job on. But I tell you, if if they get this one wrong, the whole front office is going to go. And I'm just wondering if. You know, Bob Castellini's got to be what? He's 75, 77, 78 years old? I, you know, I, I don't know, but I just wonder how much abuse he's willing to take with this because if you remember on opening day this year, he got up in front of 45,000 people and said, this is going to be a winning season. Hmm. And that is a huge credibility loss to a guy who is immensely successful. Why, <laughs> why would you do that? Why? I, I don't know. I agree. You know, I he said it. He did. Stood right up there and said, "Why would you do something like that?" I mean, it, it, what it points out, Dave, if you really think this team is going to win, what the hell are you owning a major league baseball team for? I mean, if you're that blind to what is on the field, what what has been told to you by by your staff about the talent that's been assembled here? I mean, I don't think anybody could look at that team and say, yeah, this team's going to have a winning year. I, I, but, the, but the owner stands up, and I don't know if he said it in the in the form of a promise or not, but he said it. It was on TV. He said it in the TV booth. He said it in the paper. And people are going to look at him like, yeah, well, uh, get a grip because that ain't going to happen. So all that to me tells me is he doesn't understand baseball. He doesn't understand talent on the field. He's good for selling fruits and vegetables. He's, he's a genius at that. That doesn't mean he'd be a good airline pilot or he'd be good at something else. <laughs> you know, why do you think he'd be a good baseball owner? Well, and the problem is also, Mark, he put his trust into a guy that the St. Louis Cardinals fired. Yeah, that's right. And well, look, there, there's so many problems here, Dave, that it's it, it's a sad situation when, when a legendary franchise like this is going through a season that uh, t today I was watching uh, baseball tonight, uh, guys that come on, uh, they start at nine in the morning and they're all day, and they were literally laughing at the Reds. And it's one thing to say, well, this team's playing poorly. But when you start laughing at them because they're so inept, and, and uh, it's, it, I, I didn't think I'd ever see this as a long time, lifelong Reds fan, that it would ever get this bad this early. That's the thing. It's this. This could get worse <laughs> as we go forward. But it was not something that was not predictable. And that's why I'm so upset about what Castellini said. When he, when he said it, I, I cringed. Like, what what are you looking at that I don't see? What what about some of the old-time Reds players uh, to come in and manage, other than a Barry Larkin? I mean, talk about some of the players that, that played with Larkin, especially on that, that 90 championship ball club. <clears throat> well, I can't think of anybody... That has the other than Tom Browning, you know. Tom Browning has been and, a roving instructor. Yeah, and he just uh, bought a bar down in Newport, Kentucky. So, he, yeah, I, I don't know what what he wants to do in life. A lot of guys don't want the hassle. You yeah, know? they're making big money not not playing baseball, and they don't want to get back on airplanes. And I, I don't blame them for that. So I, I don't. You think who was on that team? Sean Casey. He's not a manager type guy. Um, uh, Barry Larkin is the most logical because he's a smart guy. He wants to do it. But why didn't he, if he was serious about that, why didn't he take a job in the minor league somewhere? 
and, and, and show his commitment to it and, and the fact that he wanted to do it. What about Paul O'Neill? Oh, that, that, that's an interesting, interesting suggestion. Yeah, I like Paul O'Neill, uh, and I think he, he certainly has the experience. Uh, you know, I, I yeah, that, that's a good, good thought. I'm thinking who else was on that team that, you know, might be. Who is, uh, who is the catcher? Uh, Eddie Tobinzi, uh caught most of the year that year. Um, Former. You know, Chris, Chris Sabo was on that team. Yeah, there, there's, there's an, what's Chris Sabo doing nowadays? I don't know, but I don't think he has the <laughs> personality for it. Uh, show up with the goggles every day. Yeah. You know, yeah, it, it, it's going to be, they've got to almost mark change the entire direction. They've got to resell this team, repackage it. They've got to get into the marketing. And I'll tell you one thing, the one thing that I have learned about the Reds, since moving down here, they don't market themselves well. They don't do it. They don't put themselves out there. They don't, you know, run specials and, and advertise the way a Major League Baseball team should and get people out. They're going to have to totally rebrand this this ball club and find a way, find that tickler that's going to get people to come out and watch this team play? Well, I think there's other things in, in the background here. You know, somebody on the Reds organization made a business decision several years ago that they, they were going to start taking profits out rather than reinvesting in this team. And that's exactly what happened. As I said, there was a window of opportunity, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13. But in 14, they still had a very good team, a team that would have probably – finished 500 if they kept everybody together and then you, you go out 15 and you get a chance to win but they made a decision at the board level okay we're going to go and and lose a bunch of games and we'll we'll get the fans back someday well you made some comment and maybe you, you weren't kidding that it was eight years from 72 to 80 that the Phillies won a world championship eight years it's already been four yeah. And attendance is down. I mean, you're going to have nobody at these, and how many millions of dollars have they lost by, by having that decision be their, their way of managing this team? It, it just doesn't make any sense to me. You know, some night we've got to go over the economics of baseball. Seriously. We, we really do because these teams technically, and I think you would agree with this statement, Mark, have no incentive to win. No, you're right. You're right. They, they have none. I mean, they're going to get the same amount of money no matter what. It doesn't matter. You know, it used to be the people coming to, through the turnstiles are what paid the salaries for these ball players. Not anymore. It's the TV revenue and the advertising revenue. Yeah, it's a, it's a different world. And, uh, you know, it, it wouldn't have taken that much money, as an example, for the Reds to have signed Cobb, and Arietta this year on the presumption that they had uh, enough offense on so the offense has fallen off, off the, the rails. <clears throat> but w w when you just wave the white flag to, to the fans, nobody's going to show up. And I, you know, I'm looking at the ball game now and there's nobody in the stands. And no, and it's, it's a miserable day. Uh, yeah, I understand that, but th th they have not brought people into the stadium all year. Weather's been bad, granted, but who is going to show up for a team that is three and eighteen? It, it's just not going to happen. Somebody crazy like you and me that well, wants to see the other team play. Well, maybe, uh, <laughs> but I don't think there's going to be a lot of people showing up this year, and, and the attendance continues to go down, 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 and that is lost revenue. And I just wonder if the accountants have done the math that, oh, sure, they saved money over the last four years by not signing anybody, but how much have they lost? And they're never going to get back. Do you how, know long did it take, how long did it take the Indians to come back? Oh, my God. Well, come back from what? They, well, they, from, they were never there <laughs> for years. You talking about after the 90s? Yeah, yeah. 
well, all right. They, they, well, they literally won their last division title in 2001. They made the playoffs in 2002. Then they didn't make the playoffs again until 2007. And then. What was, what was the attendance like during that period of time? Uh, well, at, at, it, it dwindled. I mean, especially in April and May when it's cold. Nobody wanted to come out to the ballpark. Uh, you know, it was, it was what it used to be like at Old Municipal Stadium. Now granted, you know, it's a newer ballpark. I'll, I'll give you credit on that. Yeah, it is. But it, it was probably somewhere near you of about 10 to 12,000 a game. My gosh. And that's after they sold about how many games? 400, 455 consecutive sellouts. Think about that. That is unbelievable for a major league, any any professional team for that matter, but a major league baseball team. Yeah, yeah, you know, and and the thing, and then after the 2007 season, Mark, it was 2013. Terry Francona's wow. first year, they they made the wild card game and got beat one to nothing by Tampa Bay. Joe Madden and Tampa Bay, they they got beat by in that game. But you know, let, let's talk just a couple of minutes about the Indians because the Indians right now are. In first place, <laughs> eleven and eight on the season. That's first in the Central. They're a game and a half up on the Minnesota Twins. Jose Ramirez is really starting to hit the baseball right now, Mark. He went into Baltimore and the weather started heating up. You know, my dad asked me one question. He goes, "Are the Indians meeting your expectations?" And I go, "Well, not really." And he goes, "They got a lot of Dominican players, don't they? It's cold weather. They're not hitting yet." <laughs> He, You're dead smart. Yeah, he says once once it gets warm, they'll start hitting. Well, Jose Ramirez, he's only batting two thirty six, but his batting his batting average mark has gone up fifty points over the last week. So, I mean, he he won he hit two home runs yesterday against Baltimore in the la, he's hit safely in nine of his last ten games. He's got six homers, eight RBIs in those ten games. He's hitting three eighty five, fifteen for thirty nine, and he's a guy that's playing out of position. He's the third baseman right now, and the way he's playing third base, Mark, this kid could win a gold glove at third base, and he's really a natural second baseman. Well, I've always said those two positions are pretty interchangeable. Uh, you know, the, the skill sets for a second baseman and a third baseman are, are, are not that far off. <clears throat> but the Reds, uh, you know, their their system just doesn't have what you guys have in terms of a backup talent. And... You know, the Indians have done it the right way, but I just wonder in terms of the math you mentioned, the, the, the financial side of this thing, what the Reds could have done had they maintained some kind of semblance of, of competitiveness since 2014 or 2013, how many more millions of people they would have drawn in had people thought, you know, that the season wasn't over by, in, <laughs> in the case now, by... April 23rd, season's over. Yeah, yeah. And and see, everything that the Reds do right now, Mark, is going to be looked upon as being a down situation. And what I mean by that is, if they go out and they trade Joey Votto for a bunch of young talent, it's not going to be looked at as trying to rebuild this franchise. It's, we're dumping a salary. Homer, well, that's true. It, it, it is dumping a salary because... They're not going to get good young talent for Joey Votto because people know the straits the Reds are in. They're just trying to dump salary. It is true. That's all they can do at this point. But what would you give up? You know, a, a Indians number one draft pick for Joey Votto at this point. Um, well, first of all, it, Mark, it's all going to depend upon who the buyer is and where they're at at the trade deadline. At this point in time, no. But boy, if it comes down to a, a part where, you know, the Indian or the, the Yankees, the Red Sox and the Blue Jays are all fighting it out for the American League East and all of them need a first baseman and the other two want to keep, you know, the, the, uh, Joey Votto away from another one, it, right there you've got a, a bidding war going on. Well, I, I hope you're right. Uh, I, I don't see teams doing that. They picked up that amount of salary. I mean, he's owed what seventy seventy eight million dollars, and he's already thirty three years old. I, I don't see it. I, I could I could see somebody taking him. You know, okay. For example, I'll I'll, I'll throw a name out at you. The if Albert Pujols 
would suddenly get hurt, I could see the the Angels sweeping in and trying to get this guy. Well, as a DH, you mean, or as a first baseman? As a first baseman. Yeah, well, I, I definitely think whoever gets him will be in the American League because they're going to anticipate, you know, him being a DH the last uh, two or three years of his career. Yeah, you know, but he's he's not a, a full time DH now. I mean, he's still a very good first baseman. I know, I know he is. You know, um, but yeah, I could see. You know, I mean, we keep talking about Boston, the Yankees, and uh, the 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 um, uh, the Blue Jays. What about the Mets, Mark? The Mets don't necessarily have a great first baseman, and they're at the top of the division right now. They're a team, and and they just you know, they just put Matt Harvey in the bullpen. By the way, I know. I, I was thinking about that for the Reds, if they because they there were some rumors that the Reds might go after Matt Harvey during the off season. Why? Well, they think he can make a comeback. I mean, this guy two years ago was a Cy Young contender. You know, and here he is now being kicked into the bullpen. But maybe the Reds could swing a deal for somebody like that that wouldn't cost him much. Let me tell you, let me tell you a little, a quick little story about what I think's going on in New York with Matt Harvey. This is something that the Indians always did with a pitcher that wasn't pitching up to his capabilities. They did it with Trevor Bauer. They did it with Danny Salazar. They did it with Carlos Carrasco. Carlos Carrasco and Trevor Bauer are the two that they did this with, and it worked out very successfully. They stuck those two in the bullpen, separate periods of time, but they put those two in the bullpen, made them work out of the bullpen four or five times, and then brought them back into the starting rotation. And what that did was, Mark, it got them a little hungrier to stay in the starting rotation, and they started taking their starts a little more seriously. And I think, you know, Mickey Calloway, the manager of the Mets, was the pitching coach of the Indians at the time. I think he's pulling a little Indian psychology on Matt Harvey right now. Well, I heard Matt Harvey uh, today on TV saying how pissed he was. That's a quote about being put back in the bullpen. But uh, the Mets fans are going to start booing him, and and he'll go somewhere. And, you know, maybe he could make a comeback with a team like the Reds. You know, they give him a chance to pitch and, and the rotation, and, and who knows what, what happens. But the, the larger problem is that the, 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 there's no one player that is going to fix the Reds. There's no – I can't think – I can't think of three players that would fix the Reds at this point that you could get any three players you want. Would they make this team a winner? I'm gonna uh, let me throw this out at you. This just popped into my head. Would you trade Eduardo Suarez to the Indians for Danny Salazar? Not now, I wouldn't, because Salazar is not going to make an impact, and Suarez is at least a, a, a promising young guy who can be around for the next turnaround. He's only, what, 24 years old. Suarez is a guy, that, or I'm, I'm sorry, Salazar is a guy, Mark, that you could make him the ace of your staff. Yeah, but if you don't have any hitting, it doesn't matter. He'll he, get frustrated because he's going to lose a lot of 2-1 to one and 3-2 to two games, and the Reds aren't ready for that yet. They, they, you said it early on, Dave. The Reds have to go to a complete rebuild. Mm-hmm. And you can't do that with Bailey and Votto as much as I love Votto and and uh, Adam Duvall. You have to get rid of those guys. Yeah, you do. For whatever you can get. Yeah. And Billy Hamilton, yeah. Yeah, you do. That's that's one. But you've got to have some legitimate Major League Baseball players on your team to lead your youngsters. You you've got to do that. Now, well the only thing I'm saying is Mark, if you put Salazar in that rotation, with Maley and Castillo and, you know, whomever else you've got uh, coming in off of the rotation, even if you bring in Hunter Green and let him throw every fifth day. Um, you know, at, le- at least you've got some semblance of a major league team. I would bring Hunter Green up, maybe not now, but if he pitches as well as I think he's going to pitch this year, and I saw him here in Dayton pitch a couple times, He's a real deal. He can he can throw. Uh, why not bring him up and put him in the bullpen? Yeah. You know, let him get some major league experience. Uh, get him 10, 15 starts, build his arm up, make sure he's healthy. But bringing him up and let him learn how to pitch in the big leagues. 
and hopefully he'll get beat up a little bit. So then he can understand what it takes to be good. But, the, you know, the team has to do something. And I'm just not convinced that Senzel is the answer. Uh, gosh, I, 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 I was really underwhelmed. I was like, God, this is the guy? <laughs> you know, you look at some players, you say, oh, yeah, yeah that, that's, that's a stud. He's going to help. I, I, I just don't see it with Senzel. Will he be a, a competent player? Yeah. But he's, like a, he's not going to turn this franchise around. Did you hear about Brandon Belts at bat yesterday? Yes, it was a 23 pitches. 21 pitch at 20, bat 21 pitch. against Jamie Berea of the Angels in the first inning on Sunday. It's the most pitches faced since records began being kept in 1988. The previous high was 20 when Houston's Ricky Gutierrez struck out against Cleveland's Bartolo Colon. <laughs> <laughs> on June 26, 1998, that's according to RetroSheet. That has got to be driving Rob Manfred crazy. At the time, yeah. The time. Yeah. Yeah, 20 By the way, speaking of Bartolo Colon, did you see that he had a perfect game into the seventh inning or eighth inning? Yes. A couple weeks ago? Yes. It was unbelievable. You know, that guy just continues to pitch and pitch and pitch, and there, there's nothing you can do about it. What a cool guy. I mean, what, yeah. he's, what, 44 or 45? 44. 44? My God. Yeah. Mark, he has outlasted the players that he was traded for when he left Cleveland and went to Montreal. He's outlasted all of them. Brandon Phillips, he's out of baseball right now. So is Grady Sizemore. Grady Sizemore is out of the league, and and Cliff Lee. Those are the three players that Bartolo Colon was initially traded for. Yeah. I thought Brandon Phillips got picked up. He, he didn't get picked up? I don't think he's in baseball right now, no. My God. Yeah. He, he, he was he was a, a good player last year. He had, he had a decent year last year. I was surprised by his numbers. How about making him manager? <laughs> uh, he's probably, uh, a little too iconoclastic, but... Uh, th there's a lot of guys out there like that that, that I think can do a, a decent job, but I, I really think they're going to go young just because they have so many young players. Yeah, it's going to be hard for a John Farrell to relate to Hunter Green. And another one, another another real quick Major League Baseball note: Jose Bautista is back in the major leagues. He's going to the Atlanta Braves to play third base. From third the base. Yeah, he's going to play third base. He came up as a third baseman. The Blue Jays wow. had him at third base. Matter of fact, the Blue Jays played him at third base a couple of years ago. Um, and they say he's looking all right down in the minors at third base. Now, that's a big difference. But Atlanta's going to take a flyer on him. And I'll tell you one thing. If that guy can hit 20, 25 home runs in Atlanta and play pretty decent third base, the Braves might be a team to watch out for. Yeah, they, they certainly went through their rough times as well. Um, the Braves did, uh, but th these turnarounds can be very painful. But you know, this is the this started in 2014, so 14, 15, 16. This is five years into the so-called rebuild, and it's it's worse now than it was in 14. Yeah, yeah. So what do the Reds have going on this week? Well, they're they're playing Atlanta, and uh, Dave, I don't look beyond the next schedule because it's depressing. All I know is in May they got to go to the West Coast and they got to play the Dodgers and the Giants in back-to-back -back series and and San Diego all of, and, and Arizona. It's a long road trip, and I think they could lose every game. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you who they got coming up this weekend because it's of extreme interest to me and Indians fans. They go to Minnesota to play the Twins. Well, I, I, I knew it was a division winner from last year or a wild card team because I, I marked it off that they have so many games against really good teams and you look at this schedule Dave I, I don't see it getting any better anytime soon no so it's you know scrap it on because this is going to be a rocky a rocky season and the Indians this week they're in Baltimore the wraparound series will end up tonight in Baltimore then they host the Cubs the Cubs are coming to progressive field for the first time since the World Series. Two years ago, they'll play them on Tuesday and Wednesday night, and then Seattle comes to town. You believe that we're done with Seattle after this weekend? Thursday, That's Friday, amazing. Saturday, Sunday. That's amazing. Yeah, it really is. Mark, think about whether or not if the Reds call you, if you're going to take the job or not. 
I've already decided I'm, I'm going to turn it down. I'm going to wait for something better. Okay. Uh, so. Uh huh. And and that uh, would I'll, that would be I'll what janitor's job at Costco. That's me. <laughs> Mark, have a good week. You too, David. That's going to do it for tonight's show. Thanks for joining us here this evening on the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. And don't forget, we will be back up next Monday night at 9 o'clock to bring you all of what is going on between the Cleveland Indians and the Cincinnati Reds. We'll be back again. And you can also catch the show on iTunes and on the archives here on the website, ultimatesportstalk.com. That's going to do it for this week. For Mark Donahue, I'm Dave Mitchell. Until next Monday night at 9... Have a good week, everybody.